Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. I am so glad that you could join us today because we're going to be talking about two pretty innovative projects. And when I say innovative, and then I say that they are gardens, a lot of you may be thinking, well, what's innovative about that? Uh, we, people have been gardening for millennia. And the, the answer to that is very simple. These two garden projects um, are in the heart of Los Angeles County. Um, and actually, the first one that we're going to be talking about is going to be going in in downtown LA. And they're doing so much more with these projects than just growing plants. And we're going to be talking with some folks today who will explain that. Our first guest today is Ben Stapleton. He's the executive director of the U.S. Green Building Council's Los Angeles chapter. And we're also going to be joined by Tobias Tubbs. And he is the co-founder of Angel City Urban Farms. And we're going to be talking with them about the U.S. Green Building Council LA chapter's uh, legacy project for 2020. It's called the West Adams Resiliency Garden Project, and I'm really excited to hear more about it. Ben, you've been with us before. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Glad to have you this morning. Thank you, Jilly. It's been, it's been all, all of a week, so it's been a very, yeah. long, time, very long time. <laughs> I know. It just seems <laughs> like forever. So talk to us, Ben, about the annual legacy projects that the U.S. Green Building Council LA chapter adopts and why you chose the West Adams Resiliency Garden Project for this year. Sure, sure. Happy to, to do so and honored to be here and sharing some time with, with Tobias. Um, so our, our annual legacy project for us is, is really a gift that our community gives to an underserved community in our region. Uh, we put it out through an RFP process. I think last year we had over 20 submissions of different community projects. And our members and volunteers come out. We, we help in designing the project, actually building the project, and then ultimately supporting it long term. And, you know, for us, we want to make sure this is a project that is community supported. Uh, we want to ensure that there's an educational component to it and around sustainability, uh, that it has the potential to scale and be replicated and other areas, and that also serves a variety of, of social, socioeconomic conditions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in particular, this project, you know, we, we, we got down to about 10 finalists. You know, we did interviews. Um, just the, the team and the aspiration around this, this West Adams Resiliency Garden uh, was really just so overwhelming in terms of, of what it could be and what it could become for, in terms of a model for, for other places. And, you know, this, this project, you know, it's it's rooted in a church and, you know, we're really big about having communities around these projects so it can be supported long-term. Uh, but it's a, you know, it's a rooftop aeroponic garden. It's also got ground level gardens that, uh, that rooftop aeroponic garden will be growing food. That ground level garden will be using native plants. Uh, and the beauty of it is, is it's also going to be functioning as a prison reentry program and really training those, uh, who've come out of that system, uh, to learn how to, to, to grow food, uh, and to also be connected to that whole process and to each other. And uh, I'll let Tobias talk about that because that's, mm-hmm. that's really his vision. But for us, just this whole concept of doing a rooftop garden, leveraging new technology, but really focusing on the people themselves uh, who are maintaining it, who are growing it, and, and the ability for these places to bring people together really inspired us. That sounds amazing. And I can't wait to hear more. Tobias, welcome to Go Green Radio. I'm so glad that you oh, could join us you. today. 
I'm so excited to hear more about the project, but also about your organization. As I mentioned in the intro, you're the co-founder of Angel City Urban Farms. Tell us more about that organization and its mission. Okay. Um, yes, I'm a co-founder, uh, along with my brother, uh, Brendan Wilson. Uh, and it is exactly that, an organization that is on a mission. You know, we're simply seeking to return uh, our consciousness, our behavior, and uh, I guess our communities uh, green. Uh, we do this by creating spaces or what we call intersections for the professional corporate world with some of our more, uh, I guess, wealthy and influential clients uh, to connect with the inner city uh, particularly uh, Los Angeles, uh, Lamert Park area, where I partially uh, grew up. Uh, to put this in context, I'm a reentry person uh, mm-hmm. myself. So when uh, Ben, and uh, I kind of get choked up even speaking about it, but when Ben and USGBCLA uh, gave us the opportunity to represent our project in person uh, before COVID, of course, mm-hmm. uh you have to put in context, I was going 30 years with a life without sentence, sentenced mm-hmm. to death at adolescence. And so mm-hmm. when the team uh, placed me at the lead uh, and accepted uh, my vision, which was utilizing natural spaces, uh, reconnecting to the earth, uh, planting, planting our healing, uh, coming together as a community, all different walks of life, uh, then be given that opportunity uh, to go for uh, Ben and uh, USGBC LA was big because mm-hmm. my social experience before that was only some of the most brutal and terrible uh, prisons in which we have to offer. So what we do here is at Angel City is I am actually the reentry. So it's not like we're just offering reentry. Uh, it's been two years. 2018 is when I was released uh, by commutation by uh, Governor Brown. And it's been two years since then. So my experiences, uh, I guess you would say, energize and and really create what we're seeking to do at the company. And that is simply to bring an intersection between the professional world, our wealthier clients who are in Beverly Hills, Pacific Palisades and the likes, and with uh, the community in which me and Brendan live in, which is currently uh, in Los Angeles. I love it. And and I can't wait to hear more about your experience and, and why this particular project and others uh, mean so much to you. You know, Ben, 2020 has been a rough year to start new things, uh, particularly a garden, which requires people to actually gather. So talk to us mm-hmm. a little bit about the ups and downs you've experienced this year as you prepare to break ground on the West Adams Resiliency Garden. No, that's a, that's a great point, Jill. And, and you know, I, I think this year has taught us so many things, you know, about creating some time and, and space uh, and the importance of connection to each other. And, and you're right, a garden requires people to gather, but that's that's actually part of the power and, and the beauty of a garden. Uh, and it's been a challenge. You know, we've, we've, we've been delayed. You know, we had to get permits, especially for the rooftop portion of the garden, and if anyone's gone through permitting out there recently, they've also experienced the delays in dealing with that. And, you know, we're also dealing with using innovative new technologies around aeroponics, which are essentially, you know, there's, there's no soil for these plants. It's not hydroponics. It's 
it's aero, it's, it's water that's been put into the air around the roots, and so it's a different kind of technology. It's very light for the roof of the church, which is a historic building. Uh, and so that's taken us a lot of time, and our, our members and volunteers have helped with that permitting process and some of the structural design plans for that. Um, so that's taken time. You know, normally in, in a normal year, we would have, you know, three or four really big volunteer days where we'd be calling out our member base to come out and everyone to, to grab a shovel or a hammer or whatever it is to, to pitch in. And, uh, you know, we haven't been able to do that really this year. We've had some, some smaller days where uh, Tobias and his team and some folks from our organization have come out and done some work together. Uh, but, you know, look, it's, it's so important that we just, when we commit to each other, that we're going to do something. Uh, that we see it through, that we mean it, and that we go through the challenges and the struggles together. Uh, and that's what we've done this year, and, and, you know, we're committed to seeing this project through, and it'll take time, you know. We're going to have to learn how to, how, to, how to move around the obstacles and to overcome things, but that, that's part of the process. Uh, and I do want to mention that our RFP for next year's project is actually out right now, uh, and that's up on our website if anyone has a good community project they want to submit to us for, for next year. Oh, fantastic. Give us that web address real quick. Sure, it's www.usgbc-la.org, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, then you can go to our initiatives page and find the legacy project there. Outstanding. Okay, well, we'll we'll make sure we remind everybody of that a, a couple of times. Tobias, I want you to take your time and tell us about your vision for the West Adams Resiliency Garden. What particular aspects of the garden will serve as a place of healing for people who are making reentry, like you did just a couple of years ago? Uh, one of the main uh, components or dynamics, it's not just the aeroponics on the roof or, uh, you know, the herb garden, the municipals that's in the courtyard because, uh, you know, that might mean anything unless we give it meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm talking about uh, our team uh, from myself, Brendan, uh, we call it our uh, Resilience Council Uh we are really deliberate in coming from a place of love, coming from a place of care, uh, coming from a place of knowing that our communities uh, have been, you know, transformed into hoods, you know, blocks, uh, not so much community itself. And so to utilize McCarty Church, which is historically known uh, to be a beacon of hope, during racial injustice, during pandemics, during sickness, during natural and international crisis, uh, that that really was uh, the vision itself, our connection. And so that's what we have done uh, and during this time of racial injustice and, you know, food disparities. We have various kinds of diverse group of Muslims, Christians, white, black, different ethnicities of uh, the volunteers, the few of them uh, that come, that then provides, uh, gives us an opportunity uh, to connect, although with masks and social distancing, but still we're doing something positive, and that is what is very important for reentry, not just adults and juveniles that are system-impacted or come outside of incarcerated space, but there are homeless people, there are veterans, There are people on the fringes, elderly people in our community, so we include them inside of the the, the reentry process. We have law enforcement who we talk to in our community that feel like just because of the terrible behavior of some that they are now being ostracized or not welcome in the community that they've come to serve in, and so we welcome them as well. 
into the space because mm-hmm. it's about community. And if you come, you know, you're going to get your hands dirty. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about the spiritual and psychological significance of mm-hmm. these plants, the healing that lies and connecting back with Mother Earth, especially in our community, and doing something that is beautiful. Uh, a lot of times in our youth, we leave our communities where the human eyes by calling us animals and super predators and then retreated very uh, nasty or inhumane for decades at a time, and then we're released inside of a COVID reality. And so what we have here at uh, West Adams Resiliency Garden is a space in which we can come breathe, we can come think, and we can come grow together. So I think that's what makes it amazing and magical that there's so many different people of diverse walks are just coming together to get our hands in the ground and uh, to grow together. Oh. What a beautiful vision. I love that, Tobias. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to have much more to talk about with Tobias and Ben, so don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. I'm so glad that you all have joined us. And if you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guests this morning are Ben Stapleton, the Executive Director of the U.S. Green Building Council's L.A. chapter, and Tobias Tubbs, who is the co-founder of um, the Angel City Urban Farms, LLC. And we were just talking about a a joint project that they are working on during the first segment. It's called the West Adams Resiliency Garden, right downtown LA. And Tobias, I I wanted to talk with you about a a program that 
that I believe, if I understand correctly, kind of got you interested in in the healing process of gardens. Um, you were once the chief ambassador of the Insight Garden Program. Tell us more about IGP, how you got involved, and what that program means to you. Okay. Um, first of all, this was uh, a few years ago, 2000, probably, uh, probably 13 or 14, uh, don't hold me to the day. I was incarcerated in Lancaster, uh, California State Prison in Lancaster, which is, a, which is a desert. Most prisons are in deserts, which means uh, I haven't seen a tree uh, for decades. My whole adult life, I haven't seen trees. I haven't seen leaves because they don't have any green, the, 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 the sand, no soil upon the yards. And so I was in a class with a guy named uh, David Mayshore, who's become my very close friend and, and mentor. He was a trauma specialist, or he is a trauma specialist, a group called Catalyst. And I became one of the uh, main voices when people would come in to visit. And a lot of my childhood was in South Carolina, uh, which is just so much green and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, plantations and gardens and farms, et cetera. So a lot of my childhood traumas I addressed in natural spaces, sunflower fields, cotton, uh, corn, uh, whatever you name, peanuts uh, Mm -hmm. inside of nature. So what uh, David Mayshore did, uh, he worked it out with an inside gardening program. So it was like the next step from our trauma care into a resiliency-based program. And so that's where Insight Gardening came into play, and I became one of the facilitators. What was very special about that and what uh, Governor Brown took note of, we were the first one to do a raised bed in a high-security prison. And so uh, to most, that might not seem like a great accomplishment. So first of all, you have to get the union involved. Uh, You have to get the officers involved. And then you have to get a group of men, Hispanic, white, black, uh, Asian, uh, Islanders, veterans, uh, the infirmed. And so what we did uh, with myself at the lead, we had a buy-in from the whole yard and the administration of their has never really seen the likes of that. So we built the garden, uh, we planted, and uh, I personally uh, planted sunflowers. And it was a, really a reconnection. So it was, it, was, it was an opportunity, it was an invitation, and it was a means of reconnection to my ancestry and my childhood of finding uh, healing, finding peace, uh, finding hope inside of, uh, you know, Mother Earth. So the Inside uh, Gardening Program gave me those opportunities, and it brought an audience. You know, prisons are so far away uh, in their prisons. So a lot mm-hmm. of times we don't have an audience to the outside world other than our families. So the Inside Gardening Program, through David sure and the team, we're bringing gardeners in, professionals in uh, from the various areas, and it gave us a chance to once again connect. And at that intersection, uh, those people stood up for me amongst many others and uh, asked the governor to reconsider my sentence, uh, 30 years clean, coming from a, in prison, which is almost unheard of, coming mm-hmm. from a place of love, care, uh, helping young men and adult men address their, their, their trauma. So when we say reentry, 
there's hundreds of veterans I've met. There's hundreds of elders I've met, people suffering from all kinds of diseases uh, who are dying and languishing in prison. So when we said the reentry project, uh, there was not just people getting out, but who are those people and putting a real face on that. So the Inside Garden Program through uh, the Loving Kindness Meditation and Permacultural Principles, uh, I still represent that and built my whole life and career, professional career around it, although I'm not still the chief ambassador. Oh, I love that, Tobias. And, and you know, that's a story that a lot of us would never otherwise hear. And so I'm so glad that you right. shared that with us on Go Green Radio. Ben, I, I want to go back to you. And, and, you know, I know that your chapter of USGBC um, has done multiple legacy projects. Is urban agriculture one of the priorities for USGBC LA? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think as Tobias has spoken to, I, I think that connection with nature uh, can do so much for people. You know, there, there's so much data now that points to, to mental health being improved by just spending 15 minutes uh, surrounded by nature a day. Uh, and we have a, a profound lack of green space in our urban environments. And so we've done a, a number of garden projects. We've, we've done other projects as well. But um it's a big issue, I think, for our city and, and really urban areas everywhere. You know, we need to provide that connection to nature. We need to look at how do we maximize the value of our urban landscape to, to fight climate change. Uh, bringing our food sources closer to home is an important way to do that. Um, bringing native plants back into our environments in a bigger way and creating these corridors for pollinators, that's, that's an important way to do that. Looking at the health of our soil and and. You know, how are we investing in our soil, making sure that we have healthy soil for our communities because the soil is really the basis of a lot of our food chain. So uh, it's definitely a priority for us. And, and I also believe there's a, there's a big opportunity there around workforce development, um, around mm-hmm. community redevelopment when we focus on, on growing food in our urban environments. Yeah, how important is it? You know, you mentioned in the last segment that you're taking RFPs for your your upcoming legacy project in 2021, how important is it to your chapter that your legacy projects have a workforce development component? Um, You know, I I don't know if it's specifically a a workforce development component we look for, but we want there to be uh, a lasting impact. And typically that's on people. Uh, We want to make sure that the project is sustainable. And so uh, in this particular case, we we loved that, you know, people are going to be learning how to grow food. Uh, especially using some of this this new technology in the aeroponics uh, on the rooftop. We love that they're going to be learning about native plants and some of their medicinal properties. Uh, and so that that is a form of workforce development. Uh, we have a project we're doing right now in partnership with the Theodore Payne Foundation and the California Native Plant Society. Uh, we're actually, we've created training around uh, best practices around native plants and around water conservation uh, that we're going to start rolling out next month, um, really targeting those sole proprietor gardeners, those, those you know, small companies that are doing gardening everywhere throughout our city, uh, to probably give them the training to learn how uh, to use native plants, to learn how to reduce their water use, and, you know, learn, frankly, the impacts of the work they do on our environment. You know, a lot of these mm-hmm. people are walking around with a, uh, you know, a diesel engine strapped to their back for eight hours a day, and that's not healthy for them, and they need to know that. Um, so uh, that workforce development component, it's, it's about... It's about awareness, it's about training for the future, but it's also about, you know, creating more sustainable society, really, for everyone. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and, and sustainable society has a lot of different components. And Tobias, I, I want to talk to you about, you know, your thoughts on a sustainable society. What are some of the biggest challenges that you faced and that you know of others who are reentering after incarceration or, uh, you know, reentering after a period of homelessness or, um, you know, some of the challenges that are faced? And, and how do urban farms play a role in easing those challenges or those difficulties? Mm. Okay, uh, first of all, the system is designed um, in a, a, I guess, a model or matrix that, you know, for us to stay in prison, you know, in the 80s and 90s, when they came up with the super predator narrative, mandatory sentencing, uh, death or incarceration for young black and brown males, uh, no, they meant it, you know, so... We have to understand now that we return at 50 years old, when I left at 20, that there's so much of technology in the world that mm-hmm. I missed. And I just, yeah. I'm talking about thousands of men, women uh, who are now getting the opportunity to get out. So the system is designed for really us to come out into manual labor jobs at 50. So if you understand that, and now you're fighting against college students, uh, I'm talking about people who have already been here who understand technology, understand how business works, how to understand like a resume and this simple social decorum. And so, uh, and a lot of grants, a lot of city and county opportunities, if you're previously incarcerated or on parole, they exclude you if you don't have a fiscal mm-hmm. sponsor that can cover the money uh, that you're seeking for through lived experience. They ex- exclude you. That's been my e- experience. So uh, the first uh, positive uh, experience I had when I was just treated like a human being who came with a uh, what they felt was a brilliant idea uh, was with being in uh, the USGBC uh, LA team. And not only did they treat me like human, Ben pulled me to the society and said, brother, I support you in what you're doing, regardless what happens here with the Legacy uh, Project. That's very important. That someone says, man, I see you. You are a human being. Your situations and circumstances that brought you into prisons were where they are, were, were what they were. And now you are here and you're seeking to contribute back into society. So what urban gardens actually do when you have those kind of partnerships, and, and Ben said it, uh, that man's a man of his word and the company is a company of their word. Everything they said they was going to provide, uh, they provided uh, with support, uh, you know, which is very important because a lot of times, which I heard it on your, your broadcast before this one, tokenism. You know, uh, I'll become mm-hmm. a token that's exploited and then exploited often with little or no pay. You know, so uh, yeah. this opportunity is very important uh, for me and other people like that, that we're just given the opportunity to offer what we have and lived experience and learn uh, uh, the business side of the system and how it works and given networks. You know, as you know, Ben and the organization has vast networks that I met at the gala where people just want to help, do their part, and give opportunities for reentry people to come into these spaces. What we're seeking to do is do it in our own community, that we always don't have to leave out of our community mm-hmm. or neighborhoods or blocks and go somewhere else. Uh, so now we're seeking to recommit 
uh, that kind of care, that kind of love, that kind of growth, that kind of health inside of our own spaces. I love that. We have about a minute before we go to commercial break, Tobias, and I'd love you to to give a shout out to some students that I work with. Right now it's on Zoom like because of the pandemic, mm. but every week I work with high school students in Compton, and they don't always see a place for themselves in the world of sustainability or nature. What advice would you give to those young people? Oh, okay. Well, you know, Compton is where my case happened. So, uh, first of all, uh, I just give the simple advice is just to take a deep breath. If a person is giving you an opportunity or organization and you feel uh, that they care for you and they're seeking to put you in the best situation, that, uh, you know, give that opportunity uh, a chance. And we have to understand that a lot of those children were reared and trained to be consumers and to be in an unnatural space. So to come into a natural space or a sustainable uh, space is not anything that is uh, pretty new. It's, it's new to them. So a lot of times it's fear when things are new. So I just tell them to be open. Uh, it's the future, and they have a natural and ancestral uh, gift that's seeking to come out to off the world. I love that. Thank you so much, Tobias. And thank you, Ben, for joining us. We've got another great story to tell after the commercial break. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're 
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could be with us. We're going to be pivoting to a brand new story from uh, what we were talking about in the first couple of segments of the show. We're going to be talking about a brand new garden program uh, of a very different kind. This is uh, the Bay Foundation that uh, has sponsored a program called Table to Farm. Now, you're used to hearing about farm to table. We're going to be talking about table to farm. And our guest to talk with us about this uh, project today will be Georgia Tunioli. She's the Community Engagement Program Manager for the Bay Foundation, and to Shonda Giles. She is an environmental educator, and she is working with the Environmental Charter Schools program um, in Inglewood and maybe some other places, too. We're going to find out. So, Georgia, let's start with you. (laughs) Welcome to Go Green Radio. We're so glad to have you. Hey, Jill. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm super excited to talk about our work today. Um, Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. And, you know, most of our listeners are from outside of the L.A. and Santa Monica area. Um, And so they may not be familiar with the Bay Foundation. So tell us a little bit about that organization. Absolutely. Um, So the Bay Foundation is on a mission to restore and enhance the Santa Monica Bay and its watershed. Mm -hmm. Nearly 2 million people live in this watershed and more than 5,000 species from animals, fish, birds, and plants make their home in this bay and watershed. So we have a wide variety of projects that are working to, you know, restore and enhance this area and meet our mission. We're working on restoration projects on our coastal beaches for restoring kelp in the ocean. And we also have projects that work in our communities to prevent pollution and conserve resources. So um, I guess essentially we're a nonprofit that's staffed by science and policy experts and enthusiasts who are really passionate about protecting this environment and the benefits that ultimately a healthy ecosystem can provide for everyone. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, you know, I got out on the Bay Foundation's website this week, and you have a lot of great things going on. So I would encourage our listeners to check out the Bay Foundation. You guys are a great organization. To Shonda, we're going to pivot to you. Welcome to Go Green Radio. I'm so glad you could be with us. Thanks. Thank you, Jill. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. So for our listeners who are unfamiliar with the environmental charter schools in L.A., please tell us about what makes these schools so special. Uh, Thank you for asking. I agree. We are very special. Mm -hmm. We are a network of three public charter schools located in South Los Angeles County. Our oldest school is our high school in Lawndale that opened 20 years ago. We just celebrated 20 years. Um, And then we have two middle schools, one in Gardena, and the one I currently teach at is in Inglewood, our youngest. We did just get approved for a second high school. And so as soon as things get back into a normal situation, we'll be pursuing that second high school. I think the thing that makes us um, extremely special is the fact that we are such an interdisciplinary uh, school. We are teaching proactively and reactively for our students, and we're providing space that allows them to 
experience the world around them as they're learning knowledge. You know, we're teaching a global uh, issue. We're teaching global issues, but we're giving them the opportunity to do hands-on experimenting and observations within their local communities. Our founder was extremely passionate about saving kids who were prone to fall through the cracks because their academic spaces and the way that they were learning was not concluding to them, right, their interests. Mm -hmm. And so she started this school as a way to empower students. And we use the environment as a vehicle to be able to do that. I love it. And I've actually met your founder many, many times. Um, we oh, cross paths yeah. at conferences, <laughs> um, you know, at She's least awesome. every other year. <laughs> so uh, I'm very awesome. so inspired by what has been accomplished in the environmental charter schools and so glad to have you on. Georgia, I'm going to go back to you. <laughs> so you've talked to us about the Bay Foundation and, and, I'm just curious, what prompted your organization to start the Table to Farm program? Great question. So the Bay Foundation actually has existing relationships with restaurants through an existing program called Clean Bay Certified. This program essentially certifies restaurants that go above and beyond legal requirements to incorporate environmental stewardship into their business practices. So there's over 20 criterion for the certification, and it includes things like not using polystyrene, also known as styrofoam, in takeout operations, and also things like making sure dumpsters are closed to prevent trash from entering streets and storm drains and, you know, eventually the ocean. So at the time of ideating the Table to Farm program, the California Mandatory Commercial Organics Recycling Law was beginning to phase in for restaurants, and we knew a couple of things. We knew it would be challenging for restaurants to afford organic waste hauling. Um, And we also knew collecting organics waste for industrial composting isn't as efficient as recycling the resource in the community. Um, And we also, you know, we're just over the moon about composting's environmental benefits (laughs) and how they align with the Bay Foundation's ultimate mission. So, um, you know, from converting organic waste into soil carbon and preventing methane emissions that happen in landfills, but also things like increasing water retention in soil and preventing soil erosion. So really our goal was to connect local restaurants with community compost hubs. And we connected with environmental charter schools and the stars aligned. <laughs> so we, we all feel they're, they've been an incredible partner. And in, it kicked off really in 2017 with the construction of our first hub at, the, at their middle school located in Inglewood. Um, students were a critical component to this. So Shonda, we all, you know, we built this compost bin, four bin system within, I think it was about three days and not, you know, shortly after uh, a local restaurant in Inglewood called Mango Tango Juice Bar and Grill started contributing their pre-consumer food scraps. And, and, you know, and then from there, students helped maintain the bin and we were kind of off running with the project. So um, we've been so happy to work with Tashonda Environmental Charter Schools. I mean, they're outstanding and, what we've done here in LA really can be replicated with anyone listening uh, with local restaurants and local schools in their community. So it's very fun. I highly recommend it. Um, Working with the school has been incredible, all schools, but also the restaurants. We have 
a partner in Gardena called Yoe Sandwich Shop. And just from interacting with the compost and the schools and getting to those students, they were so inspired that they built, they created some raised beds outside their restaurants and started growing produce that they're integrating into their deli. So there's just all sorts of things and seeds that can get planted. And it's been so much fun. That is really cool. (laughs) Tashonda, I want to go to you because I want to hear how all of this started at the school. How did you get the program started? How did you engage the students and the staff? Tell us about the birth of this program at the Environmental Charter School in Inglewood. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the important thing to start with is that our schools were already diverting waste. It's part of our mission. It is part of the standard when students come to our school. They are actively part of the school. And that means partaking in cleanup, partaking in building, and partaking in diverting waste away from our landfills. And so not only do we recycle as a standard, students are required to use reusable materials on campus. We even go as far as procurement. You know, what we are actually ordering and bringing onto site is sustainable. And so we're really trying to walk the talk. And so with that, composting our food waste was very important. So we were already composting our breakfast, our snack, our lunch, and then for our after-school supper programs on site. And students in my class, which is a green ambassador class, and in addition to their other classes, are actively part of that diversion process. They are the ones, they learn in their classes how to divert the waste from the recycling, the landfill, the food. And from there, they are the ones who are actually building the compost, maintaining the compost, harvesting it, and then using it on our campuses. We don't have just gardens at any of our campuses. They're all living campuses, which means that we're using every space to grow food, habitat, or shelter, shade. And so we were composting, and when the Bay Foundation came um, to us interested in being this hub, it just made sense for us. We had the space at Inglewood to be able to do it, and what we were very careful about is making sure that our already compost systems and processes were separate from the restaurant. Because we were thinking into the future, how could we close this loop of waste disposal in a community and show how you can have a more circular economy and circular um, opportunity to grow food? And so we wanted to make sure that we were very careful and where the school composting is the kids practicing, right? And so with Mm -hmm. their practice, they're now taking that skill and making it to be a a more community-based one. So the Bay Foundation came in with my students. As a class project, we built the systems there on site, and then the students became part of helping me um, pick up compost. Once it got to school, we waited to make sure how much we were actually diverting. They were responsible for making sure that they maintained it after they waited and documenting the process. And then as the compost went on, and we, of course, ran into obstacles and roadblocks about the smell and flies and all those types of things, it was a learning opportunity for them. I was able to create lessons and curriculum around the project that allowed them to utilize math, English, and um, their EL skills, and hands-on skills. You know, they learned how to build something. They learned how decomposers were important. And so those opportunities were really important. I love it. And so, 
We're going to hear so much more about that in just a moment, Tashanda. I'm so sorry. We need to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, I'm going to pick up right where you left off because that's good stuff. We want to talk about those student outcomes and student learning. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you're with us. And if you've just tuned in, let me catch you up. Our guests during this segment um, are Georgia and Tashonda. Georgia represents the Bay Foundation down in the Santa Monica area. And Tashonda is with the Environmental Charter Schools down in L.A. She works at the middle school in Inglewood. And Tashonda, uh, right before the break, you were talking mm-hmm. about um, how you have linked this, uh, this Bay Foundation program called table to farm to the curriculum Um, and i'm wondering how a Mm -hmm. composting program like this impacts the students educational outcomes especially for students in an urban environment yeah that's a really good question and so i i think at our schools i believe that we really try to teach fundamental skills around um, sustainability and the environment but of course, we're using our academic classes, our core classes, our specialty classes to deliver that. What is special about how we're able to do that is we take kids out of the classroom all the time and connect them to community partners to see how what they're learning in the classroom makes sense in the real world. So this particular partnership was really beneficial for my students to connect to what we were learning in the classroom around food justice and looking at their immediate community and their access and what that looks like and how those decisions are made. And by having active um, participation in changing the way that landscape looks is so empowering for them. And so what I've seen in the classroom and it's outside of the classroom is interest, the curiosity, Mm -hmm. the questioning why, you know, the, um, the questioning that allows them to ask more questions and then research and use those skills that they're learning in their classrooms to do that research. But then to go out there and get boots on the ground and actually make things happen with their own hands. And the excitement that they feel and the empowerment within themselves 
follows them home. I've had many students who have started compost at home. It builds this community where now, I mean, for me personally, I've moved into the community since I started working at this school. And the restaurants that we've partnered with, I frequent and I spend my money with them. And I know where their, where their business savvy is. I know how they care about the environment because we're now taking their food waste and we're creating soil that we can then grow more food to then circle back into the community. Um, oh so gosh, I think that I they're that. learning great academic. Um, we're having great academic outcomes with them as far mm-hmm. as their grades are concerned. But even more and beyond that, we are hitting social emotional learning. We are helping these kids really find their voice. And we're giving them ways to create solutions that make sense for their communities. I love that, Tashonda. That's that's awesome. And you know, as soon as the pandemic's over, I wanna, I wanna. I'm up in Northern California. I wanna come down and see. This is, this sounds amazing, Georgia. I'm gonna go back to Please. you. Yeah, I will. I will, um, Georgia. Back to you. Um, talk to us about how the Bay Foundation. You know, as you're you know, executing this table to farm program. Talk to us about how it works with the restaurants. You know, we, I'd love for this to be replicable. You mentioned that this could be done in lots of areas. So how do the, how does the material get from the restaurants to the school? And what are your goals for expanding the table to farm program? Good question. So it really, as Deshonda mentioned, it depends on the community and what works best. So with that said, now we have three compost hubs at each of environmental charter school campuses in Inglewood, Gardena, and Lawndale. So we really trialed different methods based off what we found to work for the restaurant or what just made the most sense logistically. So it was a lot of kind of researching and talk to, talking to our restaurant partners in those areas and, and adapting to those different, you know, frequencies of what, what seemed to work out. So in Inglewood, it started off with an intern picking up some food scraps and dropping off new buckets. But then, as Sashonda mentioned, it, it ended up becoming really herself and her students getting involved and maintaining those relationships and that input. Um, in Gardena, the restaurant partners are almost neighbors. So in that situation, we could kind of work out a drop-off system that they could conduct themselves. Um, and in Lawndale, we had another really incredible green ambassador, green ambassador teacher pick up the food scraps from our partners there. Who, who are pretty close by. So um, obviously right now our first priority is the safety of our restaurants and community partners. So, so due to COVID-19, um, organic pickups are currently on pause, but, um, you know, we're, we're getting creative with the program virtually and, and we're, we've been in touch with our restaurants and we're, you know, really excited to pick it back up when we can and when it's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and what are your plans? Like when it is safe, what are your plans to expand the program? So right now we're really excited about bringing the project full circle on environmental charter middle schools, Inglewood campus with the Mm -hmm. recent installation of a community garden outside its campus fence. So we're, we're continuing moving full speed ahead with that. And Tashonda and I have been collaborating um, over video almost, every other week to, to make sure that this garden gets installed and is constructed. And, um, and, you know, she, she alluded to a lot of the education she's been doing with students remotely and um, around these different topics, uh, carbon sequestration, food access and, and such. So really the, the goal is we want to be recycling food scraps in the community and using this waste as a incre- the incredible resource that it is. 
We want to nourish these garden beds with this compost that we're creating. And we want to grow fresh vegetables, which will be available to the surrounding community. Um, so expanding this model to all environmental charter schools is, is a huge goal of ours. Well, and here's what's really great, and I'm about to get all geeky and green here, but there are a lot of people in California, communities and schools, who are thinking, how are we supposed to comply with SB 1383, which is a law coming down the food recovery waste uh, piece of legislation? Mm -hmm. And I talk to municipalities and schools all the time. They're like, there's just no way. What are we going to do? This is the answer. This is a big part of it. So I really just love yeah. what you guys are doing. And, and so, Shonda, I want to go back to you. Talk to us about some of the many ways that you measure the success of a program like Table to Farm. Um, I think the main one is piggybacking off of uh, what Georgia was just talking about, this third phase essentially that we're in where we're now able to grow the program where we're sharing this compost in a way that's going to grow food for the community. I think that's super important for us as a network of schools that we do such good work for the babies that we get that we really want it to bleed out into the communities that we are at. We want to make sure that what we're teaching is able to reach everyone. And so with that, the measurement that we go by is how many people we get involved. How much food waste can we divert? And the Bay Foundation is great at keeping up with that measurement for us. That is a way for us to show students, show families, show our community that we are actively doing something that is making a difference. And we are right along with what the, the laws and what sustainability um, policies are coming forth and have already been established. As a school site, we are such a large entity in a community that we mm-hmm. should be able to model what sustainability and diversion practices can look like. And I agree, communities can do this. It can create um, economic uh, flowways for people. It can create students who will grow to understand the importance of this and embed it in their lives so that it becomes routine. So the measurement that I look at outside of the classroom is how active students and families get involved, but then also how much their knowledge is grown and how their eating habits change, which we see consistently. I love that. And so we just basically need Georgia and Tashonda to hop into a cloning machine so that we can get you out in every community uh, in the state of California. And I know I had a conversation not too long ago with the Cal Recycle school team. They're going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. And this is exactly the kind of program that they're looking for because a lot of schools just really have uh, – no template, no uh, idea how they're going to comply with the food recovery uh, bill. And, and and this is such a beautiful model. So I'm so grateful to you guys for coming on the show and sharing this with us. Um, I'm going to make sure that uh, everybody gets to to listen to this who needs to hear <laughs> about it at the Cower Cycle. But uh, this, was, this was wonderful. So thanks for joining us today. And I want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us as well. Uh, you know, I I really hope that everybody has a very safe and healthy week. Do something in your life to go green this week and have a wonderful, wonderful, safe, happy Halloween. To 
Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.